Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes, speed bumps, and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market. It all starts right now. Connect and Sell. With Connect and Sell's patented technology, you'll load your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every single day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing how many tears were shed while watching Titanic kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. You're listening to the Market Dominance Guys with your hosts, Corey Frank of UncommonPro.com and Chris Beal of Connect and Sell. Growing up, your mom probably told you to never talk to strangers. She also said, never ask anyone for money, right? So fast forward 20 years and find yourself at your desk, a newly minted college grad and a fresh-faced and newly hired sales professional at a great company. And what does your new boss tell you to do on your first day? Um, Josh, I need you to take this list of leads and I need you to call them, i.e. talk to strangers. Oh, and then your boss says, if they're really friendly, I need you to ask them to buy something, i.e. ask them for money or even tougher, ask them for time. So how do you step up and actually tackle these taboos and address the social baggage that we all have been taught, especially about cold calling? How do you reduce fear and build trust, especially since you are even worse than a typical stranger, you are an invisible stranger? So in this episode, Chris and I have a little fun and discuss stranger things. And cold calling is how do you step up? And it turns out there's a very powerful way to do it, which is to break the taboo against being the problem and be straight up. Just admit, in fact, proactively declaim you are the problem. I know I'm an interruption. And that's why the phrase is said like that. I know I'm an interruption. I agree with you. You know I'm an interruption. I don't have to tell you that, but I'm telling you, I know I'm an interruption. So not only have I broken the taboo, which gets everybody's attention, right? It's like blood. It gets everybody's attention. You can't open a cold call with blood. Right? That one doesn't work. Now you could, somebody answers the phone and you say, uh, hey, uh, hey, Corey, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of blood right here that's kind of pouring out of this cut on my arm. You'd, you'd probably go, oh, my God, I might get your attention, but it might be a little difficult to continue the conversation. Right? But if I say, I know I'm an interruption, and I break that taboo against being the problem, then suddenly you've got to deal with the fact that I've done that. And this is, by the way, how I was successful as a fuller brushman in Phoenix. I would knock on the door. And imagine your kid has never sold in his life. You're selling under pressure, real pressure. I've got to make money in order to deal with the financial consequences of a miscarriage. Said miscarriage, by the way, happened just on the other side of this counter in the middle of that kitchen that's 10 feet away from me. It, it happened and guess what it was? It was a pool of blood on the floor. So, I mean, imagine a pool of blood spreading across the floor underneath my wife. Wow. So that's how, that's what I came to as this miscarriage is watching somebody in her, in her house coat wow. standing in a pool of blood. 
right? So now I've got to deal with this. And we're about to move the next day, we're going to move to Colorado. Well, now I can't move to Colorado. There's a hospital visit, there's... And you're selling fuller brushes. Uh, not yet, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. You're moving. And now I need a job. And I need a job in one day. And the only job I could find in one day was to be a fuller brush man. And I met the fuller brush people at Denny's, the, the, the boss, the, you know, the district manager or whatever he was. And the training was almost non-existent. It's like, here's the bag, here's the stuff, here's what you do, here's how you fill out the order. Here's your territory, dude, go, right? So I thought about it and I thought, hey, that's what they said to do is knock on the door and then try to sell them something. And I thought that's impossible. Why would somebody buy something from a stranger knocking on their door when it's 114 degrees out? That's just nutty. They have a perfect excuse to close the door. You're costing me, you know, a dollar a minute of air conditioning. Thank you very much. Goodbye. So I thought, well, you know, typical of, of my approach to things as a physicist mathematician is to break it down into the pieces and then ask, which piece can I do? So the piece I realized I could do was this. I would knock on the door and I, th I thought what I need is information and permission to come back. Those are the two things I need. I need to know who I'm dealing with. I need to have them tell me I can come back. So I can't sell them. So when I'm selling them, I'm selling them the opportunity to learn something about them, which I can do just by looking at them. Okay, so I gotta get a look at them. And then I need to get permission to come back. So that's my sale. Can I come back? So the way I did it was this. I broke a taboo. I knocked on the door. They would answer. I said, hi, I'm Chris Beal. I'm your new Fuller Brush man. You probably don't know what Fuller Brush is. I sure don't. <laughs> Huge taboo, right? I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant of my own company. That's like a, a crazy thing to say. But 100% of the time, people kept the door open. Mm. There wasn't one person who closed the door in my face. Mm. I don't even think my mother would have done it. And she was an expert <laughs> at closing the door. She was like God of closing the door. Mm -hmm. so, so then they would say, how can I help you? That's what everybody said. How can I help you? Because I had said that I was vulnerable because I didn't even know what my company was. And so they asked for the opportunity to help me. And I said, well, here's what would be really helpful for me. I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, that our company has some products that can't be bought in stores and that are unusually good around the house. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh -huh. And what I would like to do is to go look at those products, which I haven't had a chance to look at at all yet. And if I find one or two of these that I think would really make a difference in your life, do I have your permission to come back and waste five minutes of your time showing them to you? Every single person I talked to said yes. There were no exceptions. So I had a door to close rate in my first sweep through my territory of 100%. And now I had information so there's yep. a woman, 30 to 40, obviously had some kids. Mm -hmm. There's an oil stain on the driveway. Hey, they have a garage. It's Arizona. I know that they have black widow spiders in there. And I know how to find them because I grew up here. Then I went off, you know, I took my notes on each one and went to the next door and, and did this and did this and did this. And it took five days to do my whole territory. I was very efficient because I didn't have to waste any time selling them anything. It was just this one thing. It took less than two minutes. It was done. I'd walk, you know, take my notes fast, walk swiftly to the next door, compose myself a little bit, and then knock on that door and just repeat the same thing. Now I've got all this information, and I went and found, I, I figured out there were seven demographics that were significant, 
And I found a person that I knew in each demographic and I went through the catalog very quickly, category by category, and found two products for that demographic that that person told me that they would buy. One was very inexpensive and it was something you would only ever need one of in your life. So you would buy it from me unless you hated me. And then the other one was something that was relatively expensive consumable. And that if you wanted it and you thought I was never coming back, you'd buy a lot of them. That was it. Hmm. Two products. So 14 products I sold out of the thousands in the catalog. Hmm. And then I just went back in the evening when people were a little more relaxed. It's not quite so hot. The sun's just gone down. So it took me twice as long to go through the territory. And I shared those two products. And I always made sure it was only five minutes. And everybody except for 6%. So 94% bought something from me. And of the 94%, 72% bought at least $30 of the thing that you wouldn't be able to get again. And some would buy $100 plus. And one in 10 would buy my electrostatic floor sweeper because my mom liked it. <laughs> and I became the number one fuller brush man in Arizona history, I believe, mm. in two weeks. By doing something very simple, by breaking the taboo of ignorance of, your, of what you're selling, by not posing as the product expert, but by being vulnerable and then them offering me help and me doing a service for them, which is researching the products and then keeping my promise, which was five minutes. So, but everything else that you read, it seems, is about establishing star power, credibility, respect that you know um, your product. And I almost hear you saying, Chris, that vulnerability um, supersedes that. It, it's, a, it's a super highway to trust because the reaction that you're prospects had said to you after you showed vulnerability you probably physically threw up your arm so i don't know anything about right and so just the the mythological statement of having your arms being vulnerable led to them saying well how can i help you you've given you've opened up you know let me let me see i can how i can help you and is or or is it is it a temporary condition is it a parallel condition um does it, is it like the word blood where vulnerability shocks people into wanting to render assistance and, um, and, and now you're in the trust circle, if you will, um, where they're going to be listening a little bit more intently because uh, they're not going to have their hand on their wallet or their hand on their holster because you've already kind of bypassed that, that emotion. That's what I hear um, yeah. uh, you say, but, and it's, and it's very powerful because it's universal. You're not pulling a trick on them. You're actually telling them the truth. That's what's especially interesting. In the cold call, when you say, I know I'm an interruption, you're not saying, I know I'm interrupting you. I, I know I'm interrupting your day is not interesting. It's not about me. You, I, I want to tell you that I am the problem and that because you think I'm the problem. The circumstance is not the problem. We can't throw the circumstance under the bus, but we can throw me under the bus. And that's, there's subtlety in here. This is why this is so hard to teach and so hard to learn because taboos are very, very hard to break. And we drift away from breaking the taboo to the non-taboo version, which doesn't work at all, by the way. It has no effect. 
when I say, if I were to say, I know I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting your day, I get nothing. Hmm. If I say, I know I'm an interruption and I emphasize the word no, then I get something. And what I get is you're listening to the person who just said he was an interruption. Why did he say he was an interruption? I mean, I know, yeah, yeah I agree with you, right? But nobody ever, nobody ever admits that. And it doesn't go, it doesn't go stale at some point. Uh, you, you only have to use it once. You're only that person once. And Versus, hey, did I catch you at a good time? Did I catch you at a bad time? Do you have five minutes to talk? Can you have 15 minutes? Maybe I can get on your calendar. And too soon and no too trust and no empathy. Yes. And it's only four words. I know I'm an interruption. Five. I know I'm an interruption. It's five words. After which you get to offer a solution to the problem. After all, why would I tell you about a problem that I believe you have, which happens to be me, mm-hmm. unless I'm going to offer a solution to the problem? So if I just called you up and said, I know I'm an interruption, and just stopped, after a while you'd be thinking, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. like, and? what's next? Right? But if I say, I know I'm an interruption, and then I changed my voice to playful and curious, and I offer a solution. So I'm gonna change the mood here from an acknowledgement, a flat, very flat acknowledgement of a fact, which is I am the problem, to a question, which is basically, might we play together for a little bit of time? Can you, will you come out and play? So now we're back to knocking on the door. Hey, can Corey come out and play? Mrs. Frank, can Corey come out and play? That's that voice, right? You wouldn't say, hey, Mrs. Frank, can Corey come out and play? That would be ridiculous, right? Yeah. You yeah. have to say it in playful curious. And it has to be at nose okay. No, sorry, Corey's doing his homework right now. And uh, he's a little bit behind in school. He's not the quickest kid in the, in the entire place and he has to do the extra work. Sorry, you can't come out and play. Right? You have to let Mrs. Frank say whatever she's going to say. And that's who you're asking, actually. You're asking their parent if they can come out and play. So that is, it's interesting to them that the solution to the problem might be as simple as coming out and playing for 27 seconds. And they don't have to do anything. They just have to listen. Mm-hmm. So when you ask the question, you're actually asking a funny question. You're not asking permission. People often say to me, oh, so then you ask for permission to talk. That's not what you're asking at all. You're asking about a circumstance, which only they can know about. And you're doing it in a way that you're presenting a plan to, sol- to solve the problem. So you're showing that you're competent to solve a problem they have right now. The problem is you. So you offer a solution to the problem in a classic way that's been heard thousands of times, which is, can you come out and play? That is, are you free for a moment? Can you come out and play? Can I have 27 seconds? So at that point, I've shown vulnerability. I know you want to help me at that point, by the way. Your inclination is to help me. So I'm going to give you a program where you can help me. Can I have, you're going to give me something, 27 seconds. That's funny. That's playful. For a purpose, to tell you why I called. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And that voice, which has got a little up roller coaster, mm-hmm. is not a standard question. It's not a question of the sort like where you would answer, you know, yes, I have a bag of coffee. No, 
you know, the dog is sick. It's none of that. It's a question of, are you willing to come out and play with me for 27 seconds in order to solve a problem that I know that you have, which is that I'm an interruption? Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. You've been listening to Market Dominance Guys sponsored by Connect and Sell right here in the Funnel Radio Channel for at-work listeners like you.